Hello and welcome to episode 129 of the Big Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Miologide. On this episode, I'll be addressing a listener's email question about what open source intelligence is. Um, open source intelligence, also known as OSINT. Thank you for your time. Let's get to it. Okay, so the term OSINT was first coined decades ago in the late 80s when U.S. military agencies started using it to reevaluate the nature of information requirements at tactical levels on battlefields. So back then, in 1992, the Intelligence Reorganization Act determined that the main goals of intelligence gathering should be objective and free of bias, and that the data must be available on both public and non-public sources. So generally speaking, open source intelligence or OSINT is any form of timely, relevant and actionable intelligence produced from publicly available information. So the keyword here, of course, is publicly available. So if there is any specialist skills, tools or techniques that are required to access a piece of information, then the intelligence derived from that information cannot be considered open source. OSINT is primarily used in national security, law enforcement, and business intelligence functions. And it's of value to analysts who use non-sensitive intelligence um, in answering classified, unclassified, or proprietary intelligence requirements across several intelligence disciplines. So in terms of sources, OSINT sources can be divided up to six categories of information um, flow. So the first one is media, and this is in the form of print newspapers, magazines, radio, television, and so on. The next one is the internet, which we're all familiar with. And this could be in the form of online publications, blogs, discussion groups, and other um, online forums, citizen media, such as cell phone videos and user-created content. Um, There's also social media, such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and so on. So because of the timeliness and the ease of access of the internet, the internet far outpaces various other sources of OSINT. And that's why it is mostly attributed to the internet. OSINT is mostly attributed to the internet whenever you hear someone talking about open source intelligence, OSINT. Most people think about the internet when OSINT is mentioned just because of this reason. It's timely, it's easy to access, It's way more common than the five other sources of OSINT. So the third one here is public government data. And this is in the form of government reports, budget publications, Senate, um, Congress, congressional hearings, telephone directories. Because those, those telephone directories, even though they are less common now, those are government publications. Um, there are also press conferences reports on government websites, and speeches made by government officials. So that's the third category of OSINT. And then the fourth one is professional and academic publications. And this could be in the form of information acquired from journals, conferences, different types of symposia, um, academic papers, dissertation publications, and even thesis publications by master's level students. And the fifth source of OSINT is commercial data. 
and this could be in the form of commercial imagery, financial and industrial statements, and databases. So the last one here is gray literature. So gray literature is, um, as the name suggests, it's neither black nor white. It could be considered classified, but in a, in a business sense, and it could be considered open source because technically everyone has access to the publications from companies and organizations. So these are in the form of technical reports, white papers, preprints, patents, working papers, business documents, um, unpublished works, and even newsletters from organizations. So the, the demarcation between OSINT and traditional research is that OSINT applies the fundamental intelligence collection and analysis processes to create tailored knowledge in support of a specific decision by a particular individual or group. So if you're conducting OSINT, there's most likely a specific reason for that OSINT process. And it's usually to advance some kind of decision-making ability or, or basically not make a decision for, for that um, OSINT um, tasking engagement, as the case may be. So what value exactly does OSINT have? OSINT is valuable because it has less rigorous processing and exploitation processes, as well as the timeliness factor that I mentioned earlier. And all of this is because other forms of technical intelligence disciplines, such as humans, SIGINT, MASINT, and GEOINT, require more rigorous processing and exploitation, and they are not as timely as what OSINT gives, the, the kind of value OSINT gives. And in addition, OSINT collects a valuable variety of opinions because it encompasses a wide range of sources. So I just described six sources of OSINT, and all six can actually produce information regarding any single topic. So I can have academic sources, government sources, internet sources, print media sources, all about one single topic. Whatever the topic it is, I'm trying to gather OSINT on. In addition, the ever-changing nature of intelligence needs requires every country's intelligence community to understand several foreign countries and cultures quickly and easily. So I'm in the US, but I'm collecting OSINT on what's going on in Brazil. I may not know how Brazilians view some kind of topic or what's, what's going on in the news, but then I can always go on some Brazilian online communities, I can always go on Twitter to see what Brazilians are saying about a particular thing, and all of that can be done within the space of 20, 30 minutes. So it's timely, it's easy to access, and I can do that quickly and easily. So that's one of the advantages OSINT has. Nowadays, national security threats are increasingly becoming diffuse in terms of geography. And of course, they are also rapidly changing. So an Intel analyst may be forced to pivot quickly from one topic to the next. And OSINT allows this to be done relatively easily. Increasingly, Intel community professionals need to promptly assimilate social, economic, and cultural information about a country 
and all that information is often detailed in open sources. So open source information also provides a base for understanding classified materials. So despite the large quantities of classified material produced by the Intel community almost on a daily basis, the actual amount of classified information produced on any one topic can be quite limited. And this information can actually be taken out of context if they are only viewed from a classified source perspective. So a notable example relates to a topic such as terrorism. So in, in the case of terrorism, open source information can fill the gaps and then create links that allow analysts to better understand fragmented intelligence, remote terrorist plans, possible means of attack and potential targets and so on. So open source materials can also protect sources and methods. Sometimes an intelligence judgment that is informed with sensitive classified information can be defended on the basis of open source reporting. And this can be helpful when policymakers need to explain policy decisions or communicate with foreign officials without compromising their classified sources. So in terms of processes, as I mentioned earlier, OSINT is a highly diverse form of intelligence collection and analysis. In the US, it doesn't have its own agency, at least not yet, but then there are units scattered all over the Department of Defense and the Department of State. Most OSINT collectors need to take precautions while collecting information from the internet. And of course, we know this can be done using a VPN to anonymize their identity and then collect information more discreetly and securely. So this is where evaluating sources becomes essential to the overall OSINT collection and analysis process. An OSINT analyst needs intelligence evaluation to determine an actual process or even expose a false process that would affect predicting the future with some good amount of accuracy. Finally, intelligence analysts need to find a use of the evaluated intelligence to be incorporated into a finished, either classified, unclassified, or proprietary intelligence product. So information collection is generally a different problem from collection in other intelligence disciplines like I mentioned earlier. And in those cases, um, obtaining the raw information to be analyzed may be a significant difficulty, especially if it's to be obtained from non-cooperative targets. But then in OSINT, the main problem is identifying relevant, reliable sources from the vast amount of publicly available information. So in OSINT, you don't necessarily have to deal with a non-cooperative target because the information is already available. So the main challenge is now to determine, okay, which of these several sources of information is relevant and reliable. However, this is not much of a challenge for those who know how to access local knowledge and leverage human experts who can create new tailored intelligence and information on the go. So to wrap up, I've hopefully addressed um, a listener's question, actually many listeners' questions that I've been getting regarding what's OSINT, how can it be used, in what context is OSINT preferable to other types of intelligence and so on. 
So hopefully I've been able to answer these questions. I talked about the, the source, the origin of the term OSINT. Um, I talked about the value that OSINT brings. I talked about processes involved in open source intelligence collection and analysis. And as we all know, this is a topic where no one can cover the entire OSINT spectrum. It's the kind of thing where every day we get new sources of doing OSINT or new methods of doing OSINT and so on. So it's one of those things where you just have to approach it with an open mind. Depending on where you use OSINT, your own processes might be entirely different from how someone else uses OSINT. It could be industry specific, it could be time specific, it could be so many different things. So again, it's one of those things where we approach it always with an open mind. So that's all I have for this episode 129 of the Bait Picture Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bit Picture Podcast is produced by Sunshine Media in association with Alowinly Productions. Fact checking by Zara Kuznetsova. Audio engineer Sergey Gorski. Graphic design Stacy Graham. Senior producer Abidemi Ologunde. Executive producers Olufolani Ologunde and Toby Loba Ologunde. Please join me again on the next episode as I continue with a deep dive on cybersecurity's news, events, and incidents, and the lessons we can learn from them for robust cyber threat intelligence and awareness in our daily lives. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the Beat Picture Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, please share the show with anyone that you think might benefit from it. For questions, comments, or any suggestions, please send an email to bdme at thebeatpicture.com. You can also get in touch on Twitter at BeatPicture, on the Clubhouse app at Beat, as well as on the Wisdom app at BDME. Please remember to leave a review for the podcast if your platform allows you to do so. Thank you for your time. See you on the next episode. Bye for now.